Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week, this bi-weekly episode of Beyond the Barrels. I think we're on episode 17, if you're keeping track. I know I am. I don't know why. We're just going to do lots and lots of these over the next few years. So episode 17 uh, today, across the table for me, very special guest, Shane Young from our internal audit group. How are you, Shane? It's great to be here, Matt. I'm glad you're here. It's funny as uh, I get razzed quite a bit here at the complex. People see me and we do. We have a lot of people that listen to the podcast and uh, somebody said, oh, you're interviewing Shane today, huh? And I said, yeah, I'm interviewing Shane. And they said, why, why are you interviewing Shane? And then it clicked and she said, oh, he's the only one you can talk to that would make an audit sound like fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. So Shane's, Shane's here and uh, we're going to talk about audit today, awesome. which is kind of a scary word. Um, but let's start off on, I heard you had a good joke, a good audit joke. I got a joke. joke for you. Okay. Okay. This is an audit joke. And, uh, if it offends anyone, I apologize, but it shouldn't be. So, uh, there's a uh, lady that goes into the doctor's office and does an annual checkup. And a few minutes later from doing some tests, the doctor comes out and says, uh, I got some bad news for you. You only have six months to live. And devastated, she's like, oh, man, what do I do? And uh, for a second, the doctor thinks and says, well, if I were you, I would marry an auditor. And she says, why would I marry an auditor? Is, is that going to make me live longer? He's like, no, but your life will seem a lot longer. Oh, gosh. Bring, come on. That's <laughs> pretty that, good, right? That is pretty good. That All is right. pretty good. I hope nobody's going to be offended by that. Uh, hopefully not. Unless they've been through an It's audit, probably as understand. flat as the topic we're going to oh talk about. This is, it's actually, um, it's exciting. We'll get into this. But okay. first of all, tell me about your position here at the department. What do you do for us? Uh, really, what, what does the role look like? Well, my official title is performance audit manager. It was a position created two years ago with the legislative audit that recognized that UDOT didn't have a internal audit shop to the standard and level that they should under state law. So an opportunity came for that position to be opened and I happened to apply for it, feeling like I could uh, contribute and do something meaningful. And uh, almost two years later, here I am talking to you on a podcast. You never thought it would get to this point. My you've ambition almost, in life was to do a podcast. You've almost you've peaked. That this help. is it. Yeah. This is the moment. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm sorry. It's going in my journal. <laughs> I'm sorry that this is the moment. Well, we're, um, again, I think people don't understand audit. So we'll kind of jump into that today. Not for a second. I, I kind of want to dig a little bit more into who you are. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about your life outside of UDOT. What do you do for fun? What about your family? Uh, I'm a simple guy. I uh, enjoy long walks on the beach and kind of like dinners. Uh, like all of us. I prefer to stay inside on the weekend and read a good novel and take a hot bath and going out and hanging out with my friends. But uh, uh, married, I have three kids. Uh, we live in Bountiful. I've been there for almost 15 years. And uh, I just try and stay active. I do a lot of sports. Uh, even though I'm height challenged, I like to play basketball and play a little bit of golf. I tried skiing for the first time last year. Uh, I used to teach a uh, Taekwondo class cool. for, uh, for little kids. And uh, just uh, just try and keep a good work-life balance. I think that's one thing I love about UDOT is there's such a, you know, promotion to uh, invest in people's well-being. And, I, you know, it's rare to find an employer these days who can provide that. They can offer you all the money in the world, but, you know, people don't stay in jobs for money. And especially when you're 
work like a horse. And I love you dot that if you need something outside of work, it, we're it's accommodating. Yeah. We take care of you. Yep. Um, I actually, I, I really agree with that. That the flexibility piece of, of our job is amazing. I sit through new employee orientation every two weeks. We get a new group of employees come in and it's fun to see guys who have had a previous career with UDOT and they leave for whatever reason, money or opportunity or whatever. And when they come back, they always say, you, it, it, I was working 80 hours a week or 70 hours a week doing construction and I missed years and years of my kids playing sports. And I think about that. I, you know, Monday, it's Wednesday. On Monday, I had to be to a soccer game in Tooele at five. And there's a flexibility level where I can, I can have that work-life balance. And, and of course, you know, I, I'm responsible for my hours and to make sure that I get my work done. But I left at 3.30 and was able to pick up my son and take him out to Tooele. And so it's, it's rare to find an organization that does that for us. And yeah, it's, I, I think we do a good job of balancing high expectations. I mean, certainly none of us are slacking here or, or looking for things to do. We, we do a lot at UDOT. And that's one thing I've always been impressed with with this organization is, you know, if we're not running in sixth gear, we're figuring out why. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to take care of yourself. And it's, it's really neat to be here. Good. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're part of the team. So tell me um, a little bit about the internal audit department. What's your, what, what is the role of the department here for you, Doc? Well, there's a total of eight auditors, and we uh, do a variety of different things. But categorically, we do two different functions. We have a group of auditors who do all of our external financial reconciliations, which is a fancy way of saying any time that we work with a contractor and they send us a payment, we do the final verification before we close close out projects. The other portion of it, of which I was hired, uh, is to do performance audits. And these type of audits are anything pretty much but the financial reviews. We look at anything that's related to risks, uh, vulnerabilities, complaints, or accusations that may come in through our hotline, special requests from our directors, and also projects that come from our uh, annual risk assessment. And so my, you know, my goal personally and uh, I'm sure there's a, you know, a better definition out in the world. But my goal is to ensure that anything that we look at, we understand the business model. We understand the dynamics and the vulnerabilities. We recognize the hard work that our employees do. Every time I go into an area and I have a chance to review it, I'm always impressed by the amount of de dedication and just uh, devotion our folks have to those areas. And so I'm really sensitive when we provide recommendations for process improvement, that those process improvement recommendations are meaningful and they actually have an impact at UDOT. So I feel that my role is to be able to really understand what everyone does, be an advocate for them, understand what are our limitations, our liabilities, and to provide great recommendations that will strengthen us and get us where we want to in the future. And that's, I, I like talking about performance audits, I, you know, our, in everybody's world, we hear audit and immediately, uh, the muscles tense, right? You become, it's fight or flight, right? right. Yeah. Um, I, I, I try and run away when I have to do an audit, but they keep dragging me back in. So um, I, I'm with you. But it, but a financial audit's a completely different thing, right? And we think about an IRS audit where they're going right. back and they're looking for lies for fault. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and in a performance audit, uh, that's kind of what I want to get across here is that it's not, you're not looking for fault. You're looking for where, where can we be better? How can we be more efficient? 
um, where are the things that we feel that we're lacking in internally? Right. Um, and so that's, that's, what's kind of cool is it's, it's just an opportunity to get better. And it's the same reason we go to a trainer at the gym, right? We, mm-hmm. we may think that we're, that we're doing the dumbbell curl, right? But we're just not seeing a lot of results out of it. So you go to a professional that really understands what's going on and they're able to look at your form and see what the weights are and, and kind of critique how you're doing it and say, okay, here's where the issue is. Here's how we fix it. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, when you look at financial audits, the numbers don't lie. Either we spent the money we were supposed to or we didn't. Whereas with performance audits, I feel that there's a human factor and an element there that needs to be in consideration because, uh, you know, what good looks like could be different for five different people in the room. Yeah. And they're also going to have different opinions on what's the biggest concern or risk. So it does require a little bit of finesse and understanding how to weave through a lot of those different elements. But I find it to be really rewarding because every few months I have a chance to learn about something completely different at UDOT and to gain a greater appreciation of that function and how it plays it as a whole for what we do here at the agency. You talked about this just a little bit, um, but maybe go into more detail. Who decides that an audit needs to happen? What's the trigger that that kind of gets you guys into motion? Well, the biggest thing that we uh, focus on in an internal audit, and this goes for both financial audits, ex- you know, which are our external audits and our internal audits, the key thing we have to be at all times is independent and we have to be objective. And so none of our reports can has any weight if we don't demonstrate those two dynamics of independence and objectivity when we look at something. So we don't go out and look at something and think, I'm going to audit that because it looks terrible and we need to get our hands wet, you know, getting into it. Because we're already coming in with a preconceived motion that there's something wrong. So we we have a couple of mechanisms uh, in instigating performance audits. Number one is we have a we have a internal audit hotline. Anyone can call. If you have a concern, no matter how big or how small, we encourage all of our employees to contact us. Uh, we also encourage you to leave your name. Uh, even I know a lot of people get worried if they leave their name on a internal audit hotline that they're going to feel a lot of backlash or something might come back around to bite them in the butt. That's not true. We uh, do a good job, I think, of trying to shield the person and really focus on the problems or the concerns that they address. And it's helpful to have extra information, which... Oftentimes, the complaints don't have. The other way we receive uh, our audit assignments would be through our senior management. If they have special requests, uh, there are times when Carlos will ask us to look at something specifically so he can get a third-party opinion about a problem that needs to get resolved. Or we do it through the risk assessment, which is a chance for everyone to, every year, we go through this process of uh, identifying what our key vulnerabilities and concerns are. Uh, We work with our senior leaders from every group and region. And uh, from that list, uh, Carlos, Shane, and Terry can pick which projects they want us to work on and things that they want to take ownership of of themselves. We actually present those projects to the Transportation Commission so they have governance and oversight of what we do. And when we provide a report, it goes to those key individuals. So it's a, it's a very dynamic process. There's a lot of steps involved, but we do it because we want to keep the integrity of the audit process intact. And we want to make sure that we're equitable, fair, and looking at things the way we should. Well, and I like that um, it really is just to improve how we do things here. I mean, that's really what it is. And it's not, you know, this employee hotline or, or you know, 
putting in a request to have something looked at, it shouldn't be, Hey, I'm, I'm mad at this person. Um, or they're, they're, they're slacking and I'm not, and I want to make sure that they pay the price. It should never be that. It should be, Hey, we're not, we're not doing things as well as we should be doing. Absolutely. And, and how do we fix that? Absolutely. In fact, we have a speaker coming for our annual conference. He's a professor, professor of business ethics, and he wrote a great book called the, uh, uh, the field guide to business ethics. And he actually talks about ways that when you face a moral or ethical dilemma, how do you manage that? And how do you professionally go about addressing and resolving that without losing your own integrity? And uh, I think it's a tool that uh, we recognize is helpful for each of us because there are times when we're asked to do something that may go against the grain of our gut feeling. And we shouldn't ever feel like we go against that without having the proper avenue or opportunity to discuss those feelings or to verify and double check whether they're going down a road that they don't want to go down. And so that's one of the reasons why I'm here. That's the other reason why we we invited this professor to come because I think he'll have some great insights. And, uh, you know, uh, like I said before, the name of the game for us is just process improvement. What, what can we do better? And we don't... Uh, we don't worry about the individuals. I know a lot of people who get audited, and I've been on the auditing side in terms of being audited. It's hard not to take things personally, but our reports will never have an individual's name on it. We talk about the process in those reports because it's, it's rare if it's a specific person or individual who's causing problems. It's typically a structural issue or something uh, one thing I hear a lot is, this is how we've always done it. Yeah. That's never a good answer either. It's <laughs> not the best answer. It's not the best It is answer. an answer. It and, is an uh, answer, and we do use it know, a lot. Yeah. Um, but when we talk about improving and, and moving forward, and gosh, innovation is this buzzword here, right? Mm -hmm. That that phrase, this is how we've always done it, um, doesn't fly a lot of times. and It's okay. It's okay to change that a little bit. So, yeah, I think so. So I like that. So there's there's really two ways. There's there's uh, somebody pushing you to say, hey, an audit needs to happen here. Mm -hmm. And then there's this new regular process called the risk assessment that yeah. you guys are, are doing as a group. You're going out across the department. Uh, this is an annual thing. Mm -hmm. So we'll sit down. Uh, every department or group will sit down with the audit department once a year and go through this internal risk assessment. Is that mm -hmm. correct? That's correct. So really tell me, what, what are they for? Who's Who have you been talking to and, and, and who's participating in this so far? Well, the enterprise risk assessment is an opportunity for us to try and put a systematic way of identifying all of our challenges and concerns. Uh, we're not exempt from three challenges that everyone faces. Number one, we have a limitation of money. If you're in any type of government position or even you know private industry, you're always going to have a money restriction of some sorts. You got to figure out out of 10 things I need to do, how do I put the money to the two top things? Uh, you're going to have limitations in resources. You might not have the right people in the right spots, not the right equipment and so forth. And so it becomes a challenge to understand, well, how do I manage my time and how do I manage my resources? And you do that through a risk assessment. And a risk assessment is basically a way to say, these are the goals and objectives that I want to accomplish. But then it's taking an additional step in asking, what's preventing me from reaching that goal? I think I know, but what else could there be out there that are unintended consequences, meaning we go 100% paperless? What are some things that we're not seeing that could be a result of that that's for the bad? And what are some things that we're going to see that's for the better? And if we can put a fence around some of those things, then 
it might give us the opportunity then to shift resources to the right areas of focus. The risk assessment is designed to help uh, everyone understand where they can do their jobs a little bit better and understand those dynamics. Uh, we typically have worked with our senior leaders on a higher level with some of uh, their uh, direct directors and managers uh, within their groups. But uh, as we continue to do the risk assessment, we'll involve more and more people in it because I think everyone should have an ownership of this process. And so um, it's, an, it's an innovative way of, of doing business. And it's also something that AASHTO is really pushing for DOTs to uh, adopt and incorporate into their uh, strategic planning. So we're already one step ahead from what our best, uh, you know, our uh, best practices uh, from our external partners are saying we should do. What I like about this too is, and, and this is the first year, right? The first year is always the hardest to mm -hmm. get people understanding what the process is, what it looks like, how it feels to go through uh, a risk assessment with the audit group. Um, but when we talk, anybody who has set goals before and wants to improve, you have to have a starting point. And that's what I think is cool about this is that you, we were able to, in the communications group, we were able to about three or four weeks ago sit down with you. Mm -hmm. And we really started talking about where, what are the internal things that we're having issues with? Where do we think that we're weak? Um, and you were there taking meticulous notes. And again, no names, no whoever. It was, here's what the process is doing, and here's where these guys feel that they're weak. Well, now, this is great. If we go back through that again next August, we now have a benchmark of where we were a year ago. And if we've done this correctly, tell me if this is really what, what the process is, is that we pick areas to improve on come up with a strategic plan on how do we fix these. And now we do this again in a year, we're able to look back and say, man, look how much different we are. Or look how much growth we had over the last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And and as we do this, there, there becomes a track record year after year after year of, of how have we improved. Yeah, and you're not going to be able to fix everything. And it's not designed not. to. You know, when people look at risks, sometimes I hear people say, we don't have any risks with what we're doing. And my response to that is, then you're not doing much because if you're doing something and there's no risk of failure, we maybe we need to evaluate what it is that we're doing and if it's better to di divert those resources somewhere else. I would say every single group and region has significant risks. And if we can embrace those and recognize them as being validators that what we're doing is important, it's going to change lives, it's going to preserve infrastructure, it's going to promote commerce, it's going to do all of those things that we want to do at UDOT then we start to recognize the value and importance of what we're doing here. And the risk assessment tool simply becomes a third-party validator and a fence around all of those things so we know strategically how to address them. Uh, I, it's a great tool. You know, I've used it for many years. I've, I've been involved with risk assessment process for, I want to say, almost 10 years now. And I've seen in some instances where it's failed, where people you know, they, they, they just don't get it or maybe their business doesn't allow them to afford the extra time to think about it. it conversely, with other groups who, when they come up with a strategic de decision, all they're doing is looking at risks because then they know how to adequately prepare. And, um, you know, and with both situations, I've seen good things and bad things. But I think with an agency like ours, it's a good thing to embrace. And, I you know, I hope my goal is to not make people afraid of it or not make it appear like it's just an audit tool. And I shouldn't say anything. I don't want audit around the corner 
lurking, you know, over my shoulders, trying to see what I'm doing. It's designed to help the agency. And in theory, even though we've initiated it, since we have the expertise with it, you're going to, you're going to see over time that we're going to relinquish our role more and more. And it's going to be something that as, as people feel more comfortable with, they're going to, they're going to take on on their, for themselves. And our jobs will simply be to collect it, to help you analyze what concerns you have, and then to compile it into a package so we can talk about it high level for our own purposes. Um, I want to talk, and maybe you've got a general example of what, you know, maybe a lot of the risk, give me an example of what kind of risk is out there. Now, it's easy for us to look at our maintenance guys and the guys that are out on the road and realize there is a risk there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's a very prominent safety risk. Like we see that, but there's a lot of us that aren't on the roads and we're not out um, in harm's way. Give me an example of of a risk that is prevalent ac- across the department, maybe that that is general that we're not going to specifically say, hey, this is coming from this department or this person. But is there a risk that seems to be across the board here? I think there's a few of them. Uh, for example, I think we are always going to struggle with reputational risk. If you notice, government right now isn't in the best light of the public. And people are very scrutinizing, even if it's not true. There's no such thing as truth anymore in fact-finding. If someone sees something that seems like an impropriety, they'll call you out. And oftentimes, you're going to get the punishment before the evidence reveals itself. All of us are subject to that. And uh, UDOT is no exception to that. Uh, Some of our projects, they impact people's lives. They impact communities. And I think it's healthy for us to uh, do a self-reflection and think to ourselves, what are some ways that I can impact the reputation? What are some things that I'm doing that needs to change? What are some things that I could be doing to improve and safeguard the reputation that I want to foster? And so as we prioritize that just a little bit, I mean, we're not changing what we're doing, but in the back of our mind, we think, okay, what are the reputational dynamics here? All of a sudden, we start tweaking things a little bit here, and we tweak things a little bit there. And worst case scenario is nothing blows up in our face. And uh, unfortunately, communications has to reduce staff because we're so amazing. We don't need PR. Because we got it on our own. We don't have to be in front of the media. I'm just kidding. You know what? I realize in a perfect world, if we were doing everything right. Of course. I would be obsolete. There would be no reason for me to be here. And and we would be too, right? There doesn't need to be a community outreach if everything is perfect. But it's not, right? right? And there is. There's this big perception thing. And and unfortunately, you know, my department, the communications department, we do. We get a lot of that. We're the front end there. We're Mm -hmm. the the middlemen. And how nice would that be if we do, if, if we... Not that we need to, quote unquote, clean up our act or anything like that, but there are some perceptions. Are, are we able to to foster relationships maybe a little bit better? Or are we able to, as we present information, present it so that it, it, it it's a little more attractive? Or, or whatever whatever the little changes are, are we able to make those changes internally so that as the public sees stuff, uh, it's perceived differently? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, uh, I, again, I think the risk assessment is helpful to recognize, now that you've recognized this risk, how big of a deal is it? How prevalent is it? How often does it occur? And what are we dealing with when it does occur? So the assessments are geared to help you analyze it just that one step further and to A, either validate that you're doing everything you can or B, recognize that there are some opportunities that we should take. Again, we have a limitation of time. We have a limitation of resources. Maybe perhaps it's worth delegating some of those resources to address that particular dynamic. 
It's funny. I think that we, if you're a parent, I think you go through this internal audit process a lot with your kids. Mm -hmm. um, I think about this um, with my eight-year-old, and this is something that just came to my mind, is that um, when she has a problem with something, if you've ever had an eight-year-old little girl, there's a problem with a lot of things. But I'm able to sit down with her and calmly say, okay, is this a big problem, a medium problem, or a little problem? And it allows her to step back out of the issue and think it through, and and then... If she says it's a medium problem, most of the time it becomes a little problem. Um, but she says, oh, it's a medium problem. I'm able to go back as her dad and say, okay, what do we do about it? How do we make this better? And she comes up with solutions. And then I know, I've noticed that as she goes through that process as a parent, um, that the problems are less and less. And the issues are less frequent because she's been able to recognize what the issue is work through it on her own, and then it doesn't happen again. And I think that's just a small example of what, really what we want to do across the department here yeah. is we're able to, to just be this third party that comes in and says, is this a big problem? Is this a medium problem or is this a little problem? And what may be a, a medium problem, you're able to, to look at and say, well, this may not be as big as you think it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then we're able to come up with solutions and then see, okay, can we fix this? How do we change this in within our our internal structure? Yeah, and I hope people keep using us. Uh, you know, in in the almost two years that I've been here, I'll, I'll, I will have been at Utah for two years. Come this December, and I feel like I've gone a hundred miles an hour. And I was really worried when I first came in whether we would have the type of relevancy that I feel we're starting to garner uh, as quickly as we've had it. But uh, people, I hope they realize who who are listening to this podcast and. And as uh, we interact with all of you at UDOT in the future, uh, talk to us. You know, you don't have to have a problem to talk to us. If you have questions about things, if you need interpretation of policy, if you want us to provide training on an area that you feel you can use additional expertise that's right up our alley, come talk to us. The difference between internal auditors and external auditors is, uh, you know, an external auditor might come once a year. They'll audit your program. They're going to audit some amount of money. They'll do it, and then they're gone. You'll never see them again, and you don't want to see them again. Internal auditors, we'll go in and we'll do a project, but you're going to see me again probably the next day walking down the hall, yeah. and we're still going to be hopefully friends. We're still going to interact with each other, and so uh, take advantage of us. You know, Think of us as a resource, and uh, you know, let's make sure that uh, we stay on top of things. Uh, there's, there's no reason for an audit to ever feel like we're, we're just in the back corner idling around while everyone's doing the work around us. We need to be up front and helping. So I would say for anyone listening, challenge us to be, be of the most help that we can for you. So as these risk assessments continue to roll out, what can our employees expect? What can they expect to see? Well, I think, I think you're going to see some common language when we talk about risks. I, you know, first, that's first and foremost, the neatest thing about it is we all can get on the same page of what is a risk. You know, there's that camp that says risks are a bad thing. We never talk about them. It's like the, uh, you know, the, the taboo thing that we get away from to other people. They love it. They embrace it. You know, they're your adrenaline junkies. They, they tackle it head on. So I think it provides some universal universality in the language that allows us to say, I think this is a risk and we don't get the wrong reaction. The other thing that you can expect as we collect all of the uh, risks from each of the groups and divisions is we uh, disseminate those. We give the ones that are related to employee development to 
a lorry economies group in learning or purchasing related risks. We'll work with Sean Holland in procurement. Uh, we'll take uh, ones that are communications related and we'll send it to you guys. And uh, it'll give us a, an ability again to see you know, how big are the issues? How frequent are people saying these are the concerns and are, what are the common denominators? So we're a little bit more prepared to come up with some strategic actions or plans to address those concerns. What I like that that does is it, it you know, one of the values we have here uh, in our UDOT culture is teamwork. And that forces us to start to work as, as a team, like mm -hmm. as a whole cohesive team on how do we fix our problems and how do we, how do we get stronger through using each other. Yeah, you bet. Um, and I think that's kind of a cool example. Um, so you're going to go across the department. We'll see more and more of you and your team. Yes. Um, if you have questions, we'll make sure we provide that information to you guys. Uh, we'll have it in, in the podcast link here, the, the hotline, so people can get a hold of you. Um, and I, I want to emphasize this again. If if there is something that maybe needs to, to be looked at, don't be shy about this. I know you mentioned that it's good to have a name to come back and say, hey, I, I don't quite understand this. Give me some more information. And it's not that you're calling anybody out or it's not that that name is ever going anywhere outside of what you are doing on mm -hmm. this particular audit. Um, but how helpful is it to say, hey, let's really get to the bottom of this and, and tell me when this happened and how do we, how frequent or whatever the questions are. If you don't have a name and it's just an anonymous tip, Sometimes it's like shooting um, in, in, into the dark, hoping to hit something. It becomes a little more complicated when we don't know who is submitting the complaint. I don't want the idea that if I don't put a name, I'm not going to send something. So of if course. it's a deterrent to do that, by all means, we want to know what the concern is first and foremost. But uh, having the opportunity to ask additional questions so we have a contextual basis of what is being uh, addressed as a concern is really, really helpful. Um, is, as much as uh, I've enjoyed my time at UDOT in understanding and learning uh, what people do, we don't know all of the nuts and bolts and nuances of every job. So it takes time for us to really understand the dynamics of a, an environment we walk into to know how the problem that's being relayed to us is impacting the people and also the processes. So it, it is helpful. I can assure you that if you speak to us and you say, my name is so-and-so, but I would prefer it doesn't get spread out because the nature of the complaint is going to kind of pinpoint my direction. Uh, I, I have an obligation to uphold that. It's kind of like an attorney-client privilege. In yeah. fact, if executive management says, I want to know who it is, I could not tell them. Yeah, And they respect that, and they, they will not pry for information. We don't have closed-door meetings where we, it's a gossip column where we uh, talk about people and and uh, issues uh, in that type of setting. Uh, I find that the folks who receive our reports and how they address things, they're extremely, extremely sensitive to what we send out. They're very, very aware of the things that we say and how we say it, and they care about getting to the root of problems. Yeah, and I've, I've seen that a lot, especially with our senior leadership, is mm -hmm. that the... Um, First of all, the same thing with me. I get a lot of employees that come in and talk and 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 share concerns. Um, that's just the nature of my position here. But um, if information goes to our executive team, it's the information only, and the name never does. And I have yet to be asked who said that. Mm -hmm. 
um, because that's not what matters. It's it's how do we how do we help and fix the problem and become stronger as a group? Yeah, so, I agree. So I I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad there's this this push behind uh, our internal audit group. Is it rare to have an internal audit department uh, within a state agency like UDOT? Uh, you talked about external auditors, and we've seen them. We've had legislative auditors and things yeah. like that come through the department. But is it rare to have our own internal group? Well, it's uh, it's mandatory by law to have an internal audit group. In fact, I think the exact statute is 63I-5-201. Nerd. That, I know, right? <laughs> that talks about the function of, functions of an internal audit shop. So we are statutorily obligated to have an internal audit shop. But I would say that... Uh, you know, my approach has always been to go one step further than just the minimum of the job. My job is to provide reports and to do ex independent evaluations and be objective in the way we look at things. It doesn't say anything about customer service. Yeah. It doesn't say anything about uh, trying to understand the mindset of the person who's going through the audit or the business dynamics and culture. It doesn't even require us to provide satisfactory or complementary, uh, you know, notices in our reports. You'll find a lot of times, we'll oftentimes cite things of satisfactory performance more than we have recommendations. So none of those things are required in the statutory requirements. But I find that if you don't do it, you're not given the full picture. And you're not giving people due credit for the hard work that they provide at UDOT. Yeah, I mean, we, if, you're a, if you're a public servant and you're a state employee, you've given up a lot. And we have extremely talented people that know that they've left money on the table because there's something inside of you that drives you to do what you're doing here. You know, and I don't know what it is. Uh, I know for me, you know, we talked a little bit about work-life balance and how important that is. But uh, everyone has their own personal story why it means so much to come to work, give up a little money off the table and to be in a position where you're not often recognized for what you do. Yeah. So I think it's a cruel injustice for us as an internal audit shop not to recognize that and not to understand the passions that people have and to uh, be able to express that and validate them while we talk about ways that we can improve. Because we're all in this boat together. We're all trying to steer the ship the right way. So there's no sense of, in me being the naysayer or the, you know, the grumbling passenger who's just only looking at the negative. And so the, I think that's the service that I want to provide. Well, Shane, um, it's good. I'm excited for this. I know it's weird to say you're excited for an audit, but we uh, we enjoyed the time we had uh, with our group a couple of weeks ago. And and again, guys, it, it, it's a cool process and it really is uh, it's for your good. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us. This was uh, this was good. I liked this one. Um, as always, uh, give us your tips. Tell us tell us what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. If you have any suggestions, go ahead and email. Uh, it comes to me and Grant uh, here. It's beyond the barrels at utah.gov. Beyond the barrels at utah.gov. And this one actually, uh, we can thank Jimmy Holfelt, our director of internal audit. He said you need to talk to Shane. Shane's the man. So this. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Jimmy Holfeld. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> and uh, and we appreciate the tip. And, and again, guys, if you're doing cool things, you want to talk about cool things or tell us what's going on in the department, please let us know. But thanks for tuning in. Until next time, drive safe, put your seatbelts on, put your cell phones down, and thank you for